You're listening to Talk Birthday to Me, the podcast. I'm your host, Kelby Prop, and I'm creating a space to talk about infertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and motherhood. Tune in to hear guest interviews and real-life experiences from real moms. Welcome to today's episode. I'm Kelby, and I am talking to Jonelle today, and we're going to talk about mindset in pregnancy and how important that can be and how important your mindset with your providers also can be. Um, so Janelle, if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself. Yeah. Um, so my name is Dr. Janelle Shaw. I am a local chiropractor and naturopath. So I see pregnant women all the time because I have a motherhood based practice, meaning that I see moms throughout their whole pregnancy and then afterwards. Um, so I think mindset is a huge thing. So I'm so happy that we're diving into this. Yeah, it is so huge. And I don't think it's talked about. Um, so one of the big things that I kind of wanted to touch on was that I hear from several people that they don't love being pregnant, but that they don't feel like they can express that because pregnancy is such a happy time and they feel so fortunate to be pregnant, um, because so many people struggle with that, but it's okay to not love being pregnant. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I see women who are I don't know. There definitely there's that shame around having this this amazing ability to have a baby growing inside of you and then being like, but I don't feel good and I am nauseous and I can't eat my favorite food. My shoes don't fit. I don't like the way that I look. Nothing's comfortable and I have pain in my butt. You know, (laughs) there's nothing going right. Exactly. So, um, I, I do tell people pregnancy is like a second puberty, Mm -hmm. you know, there are lots of things to, um, embrace, but then there's tons of things that kind of suck, you know, so that, um, the ability to understand that it's okay to be pregnant and accept like it's not going to be beautiful every single day. There are those women who blossom and they have these gorgeous pregnancies and they take the most wonderful photos and you're like, man, I wish my pregnancy were like that. And when you start comparing your pregnancy to someone else's or even your current pregnancy to a past pregnancy that you've had, that expectation between what is and what you thought it would be is huge. And sometimes that is actually where we start being the most unhappy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think kind of not expressing that and not talking to people about that is just putting you in a really bad headspace. You know, that so much of that stress that you put on yourself from that does affect baby and does affect the way that your labor is going to go and your birth's going to go. Um, and so I think it's really important to lean into your mom tribe or lean into your family and lean into your partner or your spouse and it's okay that you don't love being pregnant and the people around you should agree with you or support you through that. And I just don't feel like it's very talked about. (laughs) It's not. And I think it's because people are afraid to admit that this supposedly amazing time in your life isn't turning out to be all that you expected. So um, I tell my friends all the time, uh, they got pregnant oh my gosh, a decade before I did, which is weird to say now. (laughs) (laughs) Their kids could babysit my little one. Um, But 
I told them, you did not complain enough. I had no idea what I was getting into. You made it look easy. You did not tell me, you know, like your shoes aren't going to be able to fit or, um, you know, you're going to just, uh, you're going to have all these anxious feelings and maybe not know what to do with them. Or, you know, you're going to feel like you're unattractive. Like why, why would my husband find me attractive? Like, I know it's not me pregnant, but you know, (laughs) now I'm swollen and, and, and for some women, it's such a huge change and they feel so lucky to be pregnant, but maybe it wasn't the best timing or maybe you're like, man, I should have waited. Maybe you weren't ready for this big change in your life. So, um, I, I want to tell you this story, <laughs> um, because I think it illustrates when you're feeling vulnerable, um, it's okay to take your friends with you to appointments, which my mm-hmm. husband was um, busy when I was pregnant and I was trying to fit in um, midwife appointments in between my classes at um, school. And I was in grad school. So, you know, sometimes you have a few hours in between classes. So I go with one of my friends um, to my midwife appointment and I'm like, is it hot in here? And she's like, I mean, a little, but it's not bad. And I was like, okay. Um, maybe it's just me. And I'm sitting there on the table. We're going through the whole midwife visit. And eventually I go, "Mm -mm, this is not going well. I don't feel good. And my midwife is throwing away her gloves or whatever she had been, you know, using. And I push her, I literally shove her out of the way so that I can get to the trash can. And I (laughs) wretch all over the, like, oh my gosh, I was so happy. One, I didn't get it on me or her, but neither one of us was expecting for me to vomit. And I have never vomited so profusely and so hard in my life. And up until that point, I had not puked during my pregnancy. So this was like third trimester. I think I'm doing fine. And I'm no, I am not. And it all started from a room being too hot. And, um, I broke, by the way, throwing up and pushing your midwife, not, not a great look, but looking (laughs) up from the trash can and having everyone look at you like, Oh my God, what happened to your face? Because I broke almost every blood vessel in my face. Oh my gosh. I wasn't one of those women who wore makeup. Um, And at that point in my pregnancy, I kind of didn't care what I looked like, but I definitely cared when my face looked like I got beat up. Yeah. So I had, you know, all of the capillaries around my cheeks and my eyes were burst and it looked real bad. And, um, So I had to go with my friend to go and buy some makeup because I just didn't want to look like I was in a car accident. So that's my story of not being a glowing pregnant woman and just fully opening up about not feeling great about the way that I looked after, you know, that experience because I was still in school. So I was still having to be relatively social and people come up to me and they're like, oh my God, are you okay? And that's when their kindness came out. So when you are able to share your vulnerability mm-hmm. and being like, this sucks, people are more willing to show up for you and help you. Maybe they're going to, you know, go and get something so that you don't have to go and, and get it yourself. Or maybe they're going to come by and offer you some water because maybe you're not drinking enough water. Um, so that kindness from other people really shows up. Um, when you allow yourself to be vulnerable and share the fact that you're not loving being pregnant, that it really allows people to be like, okay, like maybe I should help her 
So, yeah, Yeah, I totally agree. And once you kind of open that door, then you're going to find a lot of people around you too, that maybe they do love parts of being pregnant, but maybe they really, really don't like a certain part and it'll help you bond. And that bond is going to help you once you are also at home with a newborn. I also think that a big thing is gender disappointment. Um, especially I think gender reveal parties are awesome and I love going to them and they're so cute. Um, but I think that sometimes it can really add to, um, being so quiet about gender disappointment because here you are in front of all of your friends and your family and you find out that you're having a boy, but you really wanted a girl or vice versa. And all of a sudden you have to put on a pretty face and it's being recorded and you need to not show that you're not disappointed. And it is a hundred percent okay to be disappointed in what you're having. If you were really set on having that, you know, girl that you wanted, then that's okay for you to be disappointed about that. Yeah. I had a um, pretty open mindset going into my pregnancy. Um, I had planned it for so long and like the timing of it that for me, I almost didn't care what gender my baby was. Um, But I did have a leaning towards wanting a boy. I don't know why, um, but I was like, yeah, I'd really like a boy. And so um, when we found out that we were having a boy, I was like, whew, okay. But I will say I was also that person where, because I had a breech pregnancy, we ended up having an ultrasound later. And I asked the woman, can you um, just double check that it's still a boy? And she's like, what, you think it fell off? said no but early ultrasounds can be wrong so there's that other part where you you got an ultrasound and they told you maybe you didn't care beforehand but now you bonded to the idea of the sex of the baby that you're gonna have Mm -hmm. and so um finding out either at the birth oh my gosh I'm having this and I didn't think I was gonna have that um or all the clothes we bought are pink and white Mm -hmm. now what um so there's that, which is why I always say, you know, get some gender neutral stuff because you never know. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe you have the advanced testing and the blood work that showed like, okay, this is a chromosomal thing. Like, yes, right, right. a boy or a girl. But um, when we set really high expectations, especially for people who maybe waited a long time to be pregnant and they always envisioned that beautiful pink and white nursery, they've put it up on Pinterest, they have all the things picked out and um, you know, they're really attached to that. Man, it can be devastating when it right. doesn't come about. And if you've got close friends that you can talk to about it, that helps because mm-hmm. I've been the, the, shoulder to lean on for people who haven't had the gender that they wanted, you know, right. we've got this long-term letdown where they thought like, Oh, mom and babe are going to have matching outfits and it's going to be so cute. And then it's like, well, you can still do that. Mm-hmm. Um, it just may not be two identical dresses, you know? Right. Um, right. So finding ways to meet your expectations with your reality are, it's going to be really helpful for you. But then also building up that mom tribe, if you don't already have those connections, that can be another way to deal with the disappointment. So um, just finding people who support you, that's going to help. Yeah, I totally agree. And knowing that, you know, if you're disappointed, that does not make you a bad mom. It has nothing to do with what kind of mom you're going to be. You're going to hold that baby and love that baby no matter what, but it's okay. And I think the other thing too, sometimes that like 
sometimes you forget to check in with your spouse or your partner or whoever's going through this with you, you know, and if they are disappointed or something like that, it's okay to lean into that and just remember same, but same goes for them that if they're disappointed in say they didn't get that their boy that they wanted this first go or whatever that might be, you know, that's okay too. Then if you guys can get to that spot together, then it's another bonding moment. I will say, um, if you really want to do a gender reveal party, sometimes instead of you being the person who's surprised, it's kind of nice just to know ahead of time and maybe go through that grieving process if you have that or find a new way to connect to this new, you know, identity of what baby you're going to have, um, before throwing that party. So, um, the ones where mom and dad are the most surprised are sometimes also the most dramatic. It's like, you know, getting down on one knee and proposing to someone and they say no, you know, like, oh my God, now that's being videotaped and that happened in front of all of your loved ones. And, you know, nobody wants to walk through that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, in my mind, that's how I would go around it. Um, Daniel and I, my husband and I, that's what we did. We, um, had found out the gender. Um, and so we decided that it was around Easter time. So we dyed eggs and, um, served those to people at an Easter party. And, um, everyone was like, wait, why are all of these blue? And like, we didn't, we didn't make it like, Hey, we're going to do a gender reveal. Yeah. He and I just knew that. Right. And so, um, people were like, huh, that's weird. And then I was like, yeah, we're having a boy. And they're like, Oh my God. So, um, it's nice because then you can kind of come to terms with that before presenting that information to all your loved ones. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then I think another big thing that I wanted to touch on for mindset was, um, with your providers. Oh man. Yeah. Um, in my line of work for doula work, it is so crucial that you are in line with your provider or that you're talking to a provider that, um, has the same kind of common goals as you, um, from you being a provider, how important to you is it that your clients are comfortable with you and that they're comfortable with any provider. Yeah. Um, so the way that I end up working with people works a lot with their mon- their mental, emotional things. So we work together and build a lot of trust. And that comes through sharing a vision on the future and what their goals are. If your provider's goals for you and their vision of the future don't align with yours, that's a problem. And you need to remedy that. Um, so being honest with your provider is really key because then let's say they don't support you. All right, find a different provider. Mm -hmm. Like there's no reason to stick with them. Um, the other thing is being, um, felt cared for. So if you don't feel like your provider really cares for you as a person, you're less likely to trust them. You're less likely to ask for care when you need it because you don't want to be a burden for them. Um, and, and that comes a lot with women who, um, have kind of this role mindset where they don't want to be too much. They don't want to ask too much. They don't want to be um, too hysterical. God forbid you ask for what you want. Um, So fully embodying your choices and the mom that you want to be as early as you know what that looks like and knowing that you can change your mind. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing. Um, For me during my pregnancy, I had people who I loved um, treating me when um, 
I went through the early stages of my pregnancy. And then um, I was in Illinois for part of it and in Colorado for the other. And the midwife that I had in Illinois, I was not in love with. I liked one of the women on the team and she's the whole reason why I went to that team of midwives. Um, but then the care that I got there wasn't what I was looking for. And so I made it a point when I transferred to my third trimester, which everyone's like, oh my God, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did and people do move and yeah. life circumstances sometimes require you to change providers so there's right. absolutely no reason if you the care that you're getting isn't what you want or need um, change absolutely take control of that situation and advocate for yourself um, so some things that you might want to look for when you're you know trying to figure out whether or not this provider is the good person for you is whether or not you trust them if you don't trust them, just get out of there. Find yeah. someone else. You don't have to have a formal breakup with your provider either. So yeah. you can do them the favor of calling them and saying, hey, these are the reasons I don't want to be here anymore. Or, you know, you can just cancel your appointments and say I've transferred care elsewhere. Um, so that's absolutely fine. I do think that it's important if you didn't like the way that a situation was handled to tell that provider so that then in the future, another woman going through a similar one doesn't have to go through the same experience that you did. So it may feel more scary in order to share that with them. Um, And I'm not putting a time limit on that, but having the ability to share that experience with that provider and say, hey, look, I don't like how this was done and I need you to know that. Um, that helps you, but then it also helps future women. So I think right. that that's important. Yeah. Um, so when you're looking for providers, you know, find the qualities that you really care about. Do they have the same values as, as you do? Think about some of the hot topics in motherhood and in pregnancy. Are they going to support you through those choices? So um, you know, do they support the birth that you want to have? You know, are they a fan? Like, let's say you want a VBAC. Are your providers on board for that? If not, find somebody who is. Right. Absolutely. And if, you know, if they don't, if they aren't comfortable with a VBAC or they're kind of on board, but not necessarily, find somebody who's fully on board, who's going to fully support you through that. Um, I just, I don't think that you can go wrong with, finding a provider that you fully, fully trust. Yeah. And I think part of that has to do with their approachability. So can you bring up sensitive issues with them? Mm -hmm. You know, is there a reason why they don't support your choice? Like, do they honestly, are they coming at that viewpoint with love and service? Are they going, I don't think that that is going to be a possibility for you because you've had six C-sections, like, you know, maybe it is, maybe it's not, but what has their experience been? There's no problem in sharing your knowledge with them. Yeah, I totally, totally agree. And I always have, or I always tell my clients, first of all, it's never too late to change providers. Chances are that if you are not meshing with them, they're also not meshing with you. And it's probably just a better situation all around. And even if you're in labor, if you're at the hospital giving birth, there is always going to be somebody else on call. You can always ask for a different provider. Same goes for nurses. If at any point you don't feel like you are clicking with somebody or that they're the right person to have in your space, it's okay. You're not going to hurt people's feelings. You're not going to be the first one to have asked that. Um, and it's just all around going to make your experience so much better if you can trust them and not just have reservations about it. Yeah. Birth can be a really traumatic and 
emotional experience in and of itself because it's such a high climax like your entire body is on board going through this process of birthing a baby right so you have a lot of emotions that come up and so if you tried and you've been you've been dealing with this internal struggle of whether or not this provider is a good provider for you it's likely to rear its head again and again throughout your labor and delivery so it's best to start acting on it as soon as you're like, okay, this is more than just, I'm in a bad mood. This is, I truly need a different person. And I've had clients who say, you know, oh, I spent $4,000 on this midwife. I don't think that I can change. You can always change. Yeah. Um, and I understand that there's a huge financial consideration when you're in different predicaments with packages and things that you purchased from someone. However, I think that, um, if you're looking into that and you're prepared for that, um, start asking them what a refund might look like, a partial refund anyways, because you're not buying a full package from someone else then, you know? So um, the financial consideration in the long run, who cares? Mm -hmm. Like find a way to make it work, get on a payment plan with someone or whatever, whatever that looks like for your situation, but literally do not let finances hold you back from having the birth that you want. No. And I don't think that people can or do realize sometimes that maybe they didn't want to spend the money on it at the time, but birth really kicks off your motherhood. And you will remember that and details of that for the rest of your life. You'll remember how you felt during it. You remember how you treated. So your financial moment of not wanting to spend money could affect for a while to come. Yeah, um, I definitely think that knowing the difference between like a regret that's going to be there 20 years later, mm-hmm. like, oh man, I should have done that, that has lasting effects. And so let's say you've already had a birth that didn't go the way that you wanted and you knew that you should have changed providers and you didn't. Please drop the shoulds. I should have done this. Yeah. Just drop it. I have a saying that I picked up from an eighth grade teacher I had, and it was, thou shalt not should thyself. (laughs) Just don't keep yourself in this, in this constant story of, man, I should have done it differently. You know what? You, that's in the past. It already happened. Let it go. Yeah. But if this is on the horizon, just go ahead and make the change. Right. Absolutely. Um, And I think one other thing to think of too, um, when talking about, mindset is that you need to kind of before you go into labor and you have or giving birth and stuff like that you need to go through and you need to deal with the traumas that you've had and you need to deal with your fears if you've had a baby before and there's something that you're scared of or something that maybe happened in that birth you need to work through that before this next baby um, because that can do so much in your next labor and in your next birth Yeah. Um, So there are a few resources that I love for those kind of things. So there's Birthing From Within. Um, They are, uh, it's a book that kind of works you through a lot of the mental, emotional aspects of being pregnant and preparing for birth. Um, And then there is a book that can be triggering for folks who have had sexual abuse, but it is when survivors give birth. Um, And so that can be something if you feel like you've, you've already done some work to deal with that trauma and you, you want to go deeper, you can absolutely do that on your own. Um, and it may be that, you know, maybe you want 
want to go to counseling or maybe you want to talk to somebody like maybe you've had a miscarriage and it's time to address some of that and you've got you know um the rainbow baby kind of aspects of of this pregnancy and this birth and maybe you've got fears about that i have had patients who um you know they've had stillbirths in the past and i man walking with those women and holding space for them to be afraid, you know, like, oh my gosh, am I going to have to go through another labor like that? What's going to happen now? Um, Is this baby safe? Those questions will come up because you've already had this experience in your past. And so you want to have providers who understand that and aren't just going to be like, well, it's going to be fine. Like, no, excuse me, that is not an appropriate answer. That's not okay. No, no, no. And it goes back to making sure that you trust your providers. They share your fears with them, share your concerns with them, and they should be able to give you tools and even maybe a medical answer as to why things went the way they did last time or how to help you heal from some of these traumas or past circumstances that are going to be brought up in your labor. And if you think that they won't be brought up for a second, it will show up in your labor and it will show up in your birth. Yeah. I thought that I had fully kind of gotten around everything in my um, kind of trauma bag. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And during my birth, I remember there were some crazy thoughts that popped up and it was right around when he was crowning. And I was like, you know, 36 hours in, I was like, Oh, I got this. This is going to be fine. And then I was like, Oh, crazy thought pop, pop. And, and things came up where I then had to um, train myself to just be like, look, that's not a rational thought. Move on. Mm-hmm. You know, and so there, there are aspects that if you train yourself with the tools to get past, um, you can, you can work your way through the mental aspects of labor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I highly recommend sharing those past experiences with, um, your provider, whoever's going to be there with you. Um, if you have a doula, please, please, please share that. Um, and if you have a spouse or a partner or whoever is going to be in the birthing room with you, if, if they're going to be part of your main support team, share that if you're comfortable, but I highly recommend sharing it at least with your provider. And if you have a doula, share that with them, because then that way, when things do come up, we're able to pull you right back to where you are so that you know, you're safe and that you're here and that you're okay. Anything else that you wanted to share? Oh my gosh. For some reason, while you were talking just then, I had the um, thought of sharing with your people, including your family, what you want. Mm-hmm. When I shared, and I'm a natural person, okay? Like <laughs> everyone that I know knew that I had, you know, all these natural leanings. I'm a naturopathic doctor. Of course, I'm going to want to do things naturally. They never thought about home birth being an option. Birth center was as far as they could stretch their imaginations. And when I said I was having a home birth, you would not believe the backlash that I got from people who I loved and I trusted. Um, So being able to talk to them well before I gave birth, made it so that I could address their fears because trust me, they're going to share them with you and they're going to be like, that's not safe. Or I can't believe you want to do that. And all of their garbage is going to come out on you. And it's not that they are, um, 
trying to be toxic in this no. environment. Yeah. It's really that they are fearful. And mm-hmm. so if, um, if you have the ability to address and, and educate them on the choices that you're making, you're going to make your life as a new mom easier. Yep. So the other thing I will share, and I hope my mother doesn't kill me for this, um, is that I had shared with her pretty early on, you know, it was even before I got pregnant. I had a friend go through labor and I said, oh man, she had so many people at the hospital with her. And I knew I wasn't going to give birth in a hospital, but I still knew like, "Mm, I don't, I don't think I want a lot of people there. And when I shared this with my mom, she was like, well, of course I'll be there. And we live in different states and stuff like that. And I said, no. And she said, excuse me, you're going to take this away from me. That's because she had an expectation and a vision for my birth, you know? So, um, and, and I had to share with her, um, my thoughts on that. And here it is. If you are a private person like me, I'm, I'm, pretty much an introvert. And so is my husband. Um, and he's so introverted. He wouldn't tell you (laughs) to leave him alone or go away. Um, unless he's doing it, you know, to protect me, Mm -hmm. he's not gonna be rude and say something. Right. And, um, mothers in these situations can be really forceful with their presence. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because you're their baby, you know? And so of course they want to protect you and they want to be there for you. Um, but the way that I, I said it to my mother, and feel free to steal this if you'd like, is you weren't there when I made the baby, mm-hmm. and that baby yep. is coming out of the same hole, and, and I'm sorry, but I'm a private person, and I'm not okay with you seeing me like that. <laughs> the other aspect that I shared with her was, you know, I'm probably going to poop during labor, and <laughs> I don't want you there for that. And she's like, but I already wiped your butt. You know, yeah, not my adult butt. Right. No, not. And, and um, I'm also one of those people where if you knock on the bathroom door while I'm going potty, uh, now I can't go. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so how is that going to interfere with my labor and delivery? Am, am I going to go from 10 back down to five? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that can really put the brakes on a, on a labor. And so if you know these things about yourself, please share it with the people who are going to be in the room with you or who want to be in the room with you. Right. right. Um, because you may not feel that way. I was very adamant that I wanted people um, to be a phone call away, but I did not want them in the room. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I also told people about visitors afterwards. Yeah. So for new parents, I'm always telling them, prepare for the aftermath. Um, this is one of those things where people don't always talk about it, but moms who have um, had a hard postpartum period, they'll totally understand and um, support you. So this comes with like meal chains, having people come and bring you meals and no obligation to come in and visit with the baby. All right. I will tell you, I did not wear a bra for like, I don't know, a month. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not want people to come into my home because I was not spending time cleaning my house, you know? Right. Um, so there was laundry and things weren't beautiful. And, um, and the other part was kind of protecting that nest and in that cave. And I didn't really want people to come in. And so I waited several days before we invited even family over. And mm-hmm. I told my mom, um, you know, she lived in a different state. So I said, can you come over at the two week mark? And she 
could not believe that I wanted her to wait that long. And I said, I need you to understand that most of the local support is going to be there for the first two weeks. They're super excited about the baby. They're, they want to help. They, they want to be involved. And then it's old news and the meals have stopped. The visitors have stopped and my hormones are still changing. That mm-hmm. baby still needs a lot of care. And at right. this point, the sleep deprivation has, has kicked in and yeah. I need help. Yeah. So I said, preparing for this, please come out at the two week mark. And you know what? That was the best time to have her there. Yeah. Yeah. You're almost really in the trenches at that point because the newness has worn off and now you're just exhausted and all of the help has stopped. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and so um, being able to know what you need ahead of time is really helpful. Um, we had a dog and it took everything in me to um, put the baby in a sling and go out and walk the dog too. So having somebody around who could have like walked the dog would have been really helpful. If you have older kids, having somebody willing to take the kids out of your house so that you could do anything or just be alone and quiet with the baby might be really helpful. So if you are one of those um, people in the community who's like, oh my God, I know mom and she's going to have a baby um, and I want to be there. I want to help her. Think about the ways that she could actually use your help. So I had people from afar who um, sent us meals on Grubhub. Yeah. You know, they said, Hey, here's a gift card, like go use that, get whatever you want. Um, I had other people who um felt comfortable. I actually she had a family of four. I have such a tiny little apartment. She came over with her four kids and her husband, cooked a meal for us, cleaned up mm. and and was ready to leave. She was like, I'm willing to leave, like we don't need to stay. Right. And, and oh man, it was so gracious. Um, and that was so helpful. Yeah. Um, so being able to know your boundaries with people and and get on the same page as everyone is going to be really nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. Go ask that mama to snuggle the baby while she sleeps. <laughs> Go yeah, let absolutely. Her take a nap. Let her take a shower. Yes. You know, oh my god. Shower. That kind of stuff. I mean, that's yes. that's invaluable stuff. So. Yeah. Awesome. Well, was there anything else? Oh, get get inside of a mom's group now, whether that's on Facebook or something, just make sure that you're connected to other people because that postpartum phase can be so isolating. So, um, you know, try to, try to be proactive with that as much as you can. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. There's lots of them and be, be selective of which ones you choose because there's a lot of them that are, are very drama filled, but there's some really, really excellent ones out there also. So absolutely. Um, all right. Well, where can listeners find you? Well, I am at Shaw Family Practice out in Fort Collins. So you could look me up on Google. You could look me up on Facebook. I do have a Fort Collins moms group and there I do weekly videos. And on my website at shawfamilypractice.com, I also have a collection of articles that you might find really helpful for all things mom. So whether that's flu prevention, um, trying to make sure whether or not you're choosing the right provider, like we talked about. Um, If you're dealing with anxiety, what you can do with that. I've got articles for all kinds of things. Yeah. Awesome. Very, very cool. What was, um, if you could give parents or soon to be parents, any piece of advice, what would you give them? Get on the same page as your spouse or your support system. Um, You really want to make sure that they know what your expectations are. Like how helpful do you want them to be? What are your expectations of them? And share with them your expectations of what being a mom is. Um, In my postpartum, I shared with my husband, like, I remember I told him, man, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. 
And he was offended. He yeah. was really offended. He was like, what do you mean? How, what do you mean this isn't like what you thought? What did you think? Mm-hmm. And so then I realized I didn't share with him my expectations. I thought I was going to bounce right back. I thought, you know, everything was going to be fine. My brain function was going to be there. I had a bad case of mom brain. And um, so if you're looking for tools with that kind of stuff, go ahead and reach out. But um, also share your expectations of the experience with your spouse. Yes, I totally agree with that. Awesome. Well, do you have any resources that you want to put out there? I would say maybe the ICPA for kids.org. That can be another really helpful um, group that um, they've got a, an archive of um, parent-friendly articles. So they're not written for um, you know doctors. They're really written for moms and dads with the Pathways magazine. Um, so you can find them on that website. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for talking to us today. And I hope that you have a great rest of your day. Thanks. You too. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For a list of our sponsors and resources talked about in today's episode or would like more information on my online birth classes, please visit my website, www.talkbirthytomepodcast.com. If you liked today's episode, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Or to connect with me and stay up to date on new weekly episodes, you can follow me on all social media at talkbirthytome.podcast or at Mommy Moda and Court. I truly appreciate your support and we will see you next week.